Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. My high school English teacher just underwent her third right hip replacement. That is, she said her doctor re-replaced the replacement. I visited her just after surgery, suspended somewhere between anesthesia and morphine. She was still funny and inquisitive, reflective, and directive. Other people call her Dr. Nickerson or Marilyn. For reasons I can't remember, I call her Nikki, as if we'd played field hockey together and gone out for beers afterwards which we didn't, though we've been friends now for 33 years. With a mixture of incredulity and unsentimental wistfulness, she told me that she would never climb Mount Washington again, except in the Cog Railway, which is not what she had in mind. I was tempted to tell her I wouldn't bet on it. Tough does not begin to describe this diminutive woman in her mid-70s, but I sensed that she was working up to some advice, so I held my tongue. She always announces when she's about to give me advice. Advice, she'll say. (laughs) And the temptation is to scramble for a notebook and pen. It's just never left me. This bit was short, so I just memorized it. Listen, Kim, she said. Just don't put it off. How's that for a mantra? Don't put it off. My colleague Lynn Unger wrote this poem called Food Chain. Give up pretending everything you know, everything, sooner or later, gets eaten. Little fish, big fish, no difference. The world's mouth is on you. Outside the personal, It even has a certain glory. When the mouse in its last short dash to the grain feels the great rush of wings in the flash before the crushing beak descends, it is finally, luminously airborne. In the broad, voiceless hours of the night, you have always known the red beak of your consummation awaits you. The choice, very simply, is this. What will you give your own beloved bones and blood to feed? Last weekend, in a frenzy of decluttering, I came across a 30-year-old letter from one of my best friends. It's the letter Dibby wrote me just after she and her family had been on a week-long late summer cruise on their 60-foot sloop, the Palamine, out of Booth Bay Harbor and up the coast of Maine. I had been invited on that sail, but I made the wrong choice and spent the week back at college for early orientation for dorm resident assistants. 
It's one of the regrets I cherish. I learned a lot from that mistake. In her letter, Dibby described the trip in detail. It was glorious. It was perfect. And promised that we would do it together the next summer. But on a beautiful, clear morning that fall, her father suffered a heart attack while playing tennis. He died, and the boat was sold. The sail I missed had been their last. I read the letter one last time and finally let it go. Don't put it off. My colleague, Allison Hyder, minister of our church in Provincetown, wrote this. Richard Bodie was a corporate success. He was paid well to ghostwrite articles and speeches for busy executives. He lived close to the sources of power and wealth, a seductive and flattering place to be, he says. But he woke up every morning exhausted, hating the business suits and the city and dreading the thought of his work. And then he developed pain in his hips and spasms that worsened over time. Finally, he needed crutches, and his doctor recommended surgery to fuse the bones in his hip. In his book, First You Have to Row a Little Boat, Richard Bodie says, my surgeon understood the osteoarthritic symptoms, but only I knew the underlying cause. I had been forcing my legs to carry my body in a direction it didn't want to go. And now, no longer able to bear the awesome burden, my right hip joint had rebelled. Bodhi had the operation and spent a year, over a year, in a plastic body cast that extended from his head to his toes. But he says, I was fortunate in one respect. I had a sprightly Swiss nurse who would pop her head into my hospital room each morning and say, well, there you are, safe inside your cocoon. Who do you think you'll be when you emerge? <laughs> Bodhi was to contemplate that question for the next six months. He thought about his childhood spent learning to sail on Long Island Sound and a heron that perched on his mast one day when he was becalmed. The stillness and patience of the bird was etched in his memory. He thought about who he was, where he came from, and what he wanted to be. What I had lost in physical motion, I gained in insight, which is movement of a different kind, he writes. I learned the interior life was as rewarding as the exterior life, and that my richest moments occurred when I was absolutely still. I had brought this immobility upon myself because what I craved more than security, more than success, was a dead calm that brings a new wind from a different shore. As I lay perfectly still, I found the desire, the will, that goes beyond mere acts of courage to do what I had to do so that I might become the man I was meant to be. Don't put it off. 
When I think about Nikki in her recovery from surgery, possibly emerging this time unable to do what she's done or dreamed of doing in the past, and when I reflect on my 30-year-old regret about missing that wonderful sail with Dibby and her family, and when I read about Richard Bodie lying absolutely still because he has no choice and coming face to face with the full catastrophe of his choices, I'm struck by the fact, the truth, that Nikki's advice, don't put it off, is best employed in the present right now. While it's useful in hindsight when it might offer a course correction, it's far more useful moment by moment. Don't put it off. What is it that lies before us to do right now? Places to go, people to see, changes to make, Words to say, I'm sorry, I forgive you, I love you. Don't put it off. I saved the front page of this past December 19th's Boston Globe for the story about John A. Scripter. John Scripter had his first heart attack when he was 30 years old. In 1985, he had six months to live. His heart was failing. With a transplant, doctors told him he might get five years. Scripture was 45 years old, a manual laborer from Greenville, New Hampshire, with a wife, Linda, and nine children. He asked his doctor at Mass General how many heart transplants they'd performed there. None came the answer. You'll be our first one. Scripter said, sign me up. John Scripter got his five years plus 17, outliving most heart transplant recipients by a decade. He died this past December 14th, having lived to 67, lived to see his 19 grandchildren and three great-grandchildren. Here's why I saved the article. In 1985, it was still scary because it was a whole new avenue, says his wife, Linda, and he got a second chance. He was so fortunate. After five years, every day was a bonus. It was a day he might not have had. We lived every day like it was his last. We lived every day like it was the last. My spiritual companions, what more evidence, what more inspiration, what more advice do we need? All signs point to the present. May we, too, take up this spiritual discipline in earnest. Don't put it off. Amen.